0: Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us from the 2022 Alltech One Conference as we explore opportunities within agri-food, business, and beyond. Nicole Hill is the Executive Director of Strategy at Marketplace, a business consultancy and brand firm. And in this role, she has taken the lead in mapping out strategies for business-to-business and consumer packaged goods for pet, animal, and human nutrition and wellness brands, I'm Tom Martin for the Alltech Ag Future podcast series. Here with Nicole to talk about pet and human crossover trends and insights. Welcome, Nicole.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Tom.
0: So I if understand correctly, you engage in the design of research and analysis.
1: Yes. So in my role as a executive director of strategy at Marketplace, I touch the uh, innovation pipelines of a lot of pet brands, both on the B2B and consumer side, and part of. Driving innovation means doing consumer insights research as well as actually developing the brands um, or rebranding an existing brand in the marketplace that kind of needs to reposition to better connect with the pet parent of today.
0: And what sort of basic building blocks uh, have to be in place before your work begins?
1: Well, we start with obviously getting to know the product or the brand that exists, but quickly after that we go through a design thinking process. And the first step in that process is empathy. So to really empathize with that pet parent, with that audience, we want to make sure we're not just projecting our own perceptions of what they might want, value, feel, think, but to really reality test our hypotheses and build on our existing knowledge of the space with uh, custom research. So we're actually surveying 500, 600, 700 pet parents across the U.S., to really capture what it is they think, feel, value, desire to understand their personal relationships with their pets. And then we go from there applying different lenses to tap into the specific audience for the product or brand that we're working with.
0: This is a really sensitive uh, corner of the general consumer market, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about uh, something here that's secondary only to family, human family. Our dogs and cats and even the other critters that we share our lives with become family. And uh, they underscore that pet-to-human relationship. How does your recognition of that special crossover influence the advice that you share with client companies?
1: Sure. Well, as you mentioned, uh, for so many people, pets are considered a member of the family. We recently did some research and discovered a pocket of those pet parents who actually think, my pet themselves thinks they are human. So there is this persistent humanization of pets that's been going on for some time and, and really has continued to increase. When we look at the crossover trends between pet and human nutrition, spaces, um, because at Marketplace we serve both pet brands and human nutrition brands, we really see a lot of corollary evidence that the things that people want for themselves, they also want for their pets. So when we're talking about things like gut health, immunity, fiber, those are drivers in the human nutrition space. Likewise, we're seeing those same trends track in the pet nutrition space. And that's really coming into play when we look at of course, things like fiber in general, but prebiotics and even postbiotics uh, along following the trend in probiotics. So a lot of that in terms of gut and immune health, the trend in human toward those need states is really aligning with what we're seeing in PET as well.
0: Everybody is talking about sustainability these days. It's so important. And I'm just wondering how it plays a role in your strategic thinking.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think... We all recognize that we are um, stewards of our planet, stewards of what we leave behind for the next generation. And companies, brands, and and categories in the pet and human nutrition industries are, are highly aware that every action that they take leaves a lasting mark. And so, as we're seeing brands and businesses invest in sustainability efforts in the ingredients they source, in their packaging, in their manufacturing processes. We want to make sure that we're telling that story so that the consumers that are purchasing their products understand the impact that their individual purchase decisions ultimately make that lasting effect, that ripple effect that, you know, as volume and other things are considered in purchase choices, what that connection is to environmental concerns.
0: What are some leading current trends in pet food, and what potential future trends are you watching, keeping an eye on?
1: Yes. uh, Immunity and gut health are definitely two top trends. Um, People want their pets to live as long as possible. I think we can all recognize that moment where we feel like, you know, dogs just don't live long enough. I wish, you know, my dog lived as long as I did. So immunity is definitely that proactive measure. With the crossover between human and pet nutrition also comes that crossover awareness. So the awareness that the gut and mind are connected and that gut health is an important component of overall health. People are really seeing how gut health plays a role in both their nutrition and wellness and in their pets. And so we're seeing those trends continue to build. Um, I also think the past two years have driven a higher awareness of both immunity and gut health, but also anti-anxiety and calming issues for pets, especially for those pet parents who have had the um, opportunity to work from home for a period of time with their pet or adopted their pet during that time and may now be returning to in-person in the office. Their pet now might be dealing with some separation anxiety, things like that. So looking for um, products that uh, in a safe and healthy way also help their pet with mood regulation so they don't have that stress and anxiety of being apart from their pet parent.
0: It's really interesting that you mentioned that connection between mind and nutrition. We've been talking to a lot of people here about uh, neuro gastronomy, of course, in a human context, but I never really imagined that we would take it over into a pet context, but it makes perfect sense.
1: It really does. And in even certain subsets of pet and pet parent relationships, those people who look at their pet and think this pet is my best friend, a member of my family, my pet thinks they're human. Um, Among those subsets, we're actually seeing an over-indexing on the desire for cognitive health uh, benefits for their pet. And again, I think part of that is we think of our pets as people. We think of them as having this unique and amazing, distinct personalities. And so much of our personality, you know, is obviously uh, controlled by our, our brains. And so we want our pet to be their healthiest, best version of themselves in all facets for as long as humanly possible or as long as caninely or felinely possible.
0: I think many of us kind of wish they could talk, but then kind of worry about what they would say if they could. So, Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of discussion today about functional ingredients, the microbiome and antibiotics. Uh, let's look at each of these. First, functional ingredients. What does that mean and, and why is it a hot topic?
1: Of course. So when we're talking about functional ingredients, we're talking about things that provide a benefit. They per- form a function in the body such as uh, supporting hip and joint health, skin and coat health, mobility, cognitive function, gut health, immunity, things like that. So functional benefits are important because that's really how pet parents shop for things like supplements or other functional nutrition, even foods. So when we talk about a specific functional benefit like mobility, let's say, hip and joint health. You want your pet to be able to get around, climb the stairs, go on long walks, hikes, whatever the case may be. And that is why so many pet parents shop for functional benefits first in the supplement space specifically. Uh, They look for not ingredients first, but benefits first. And so benefits, one, for many pet parents align with that quality of life that they seek for their pet. And then also it really helps personalize the nutrition for their pet, Uh, even when we're looking at foods. So foods that might support hip and joint health or mobility, that would be perhaps a food that someone might be more inclined to purchase for their dog that may be getting up in years and maybe having a little bit more trouble getting around. Or perhaps the dog's just a breed that is known to potentially have mobility issues as they age and they want to be proactive about their pet's health.
0: What about microbiomes? The microbiomes that occupy our pet's digestive systems.
1: Yeah, so the mysterious and interesting microbiome, I think it's something that as much as we continue to know more and more about it, there's still so much more to know. And as folks consider not just the unique fingerprint, basically, of our individual microbiomes and those of our pets, we're also considering how we might best uh, help our pets balance their internal biology and makeup so that again they can live the longest healthiest happiest lives they can. And so when we're looking at things like prebiotics, postbiotics, really all of the biotics, probiotics, that's really what consumers are looking toward to help maintain a modulated a well modulated microbiome for their pet.
0: Antibiotics have gotten a lot of attention. Uh, in recent years, resistance to them and their impact on the microbiome in particular. How do these concerns figure into discussions you have with the pet food industry?
1: In the pet food industry, what we're seeing is a high desire for naturalness and what all-natural means from a consumer demand standpoint versus a regulatory standpoint are two different things. So one of the things that we do from a research standpoint is try to understand what consumers mean when they say certain things. And so even things that might be good for one's pet or good or necessary at times, it can also be something that people aren't necessarily comfortable with or have a full level of awareness or education about. With that in mind, you know, there are some perceptions of, okay, how can I have less of certain things in my pet's diet or less of certain things in my pet's life? And antibiotics being you know, one of them, I think people recognize that there's a time and a place but maybe aren't wanting to rely too heavily. Um, and that's where what we see is pet parents say, I want to be proactive with my pet's nutrition and health to kind of mitigate potential needs for other sources of treatment down the road that are more reactive, and so they're making nutrition decisions to proactively manage health and wellness in ways that, as pet parents, they perceive to be natural. So all natural, made in the USA, those are top trends among U.S. pet parents right now that are not necessarily going to be a key differentiator for a product in this space, but they're something that almost has become table stakes in a lot of the pet nutrition
0: categories. Many of us are engaging in a lot of guesswork when we shop for our pets, for food. We want to provide what they need to be healthy and happy, the things that you've been talking about. Most of us, though, are not nutritionists. So how can we become better informed?
1: I like to say there's always more to know. So just being curious and always seeking new information from reliable sources. Um, There are regulatory bodies um, like AFCO that are resources for um, not just consumers, but also the makers of a lot of pet nutrition products. And I think, you know, there are always folks that are going to consult with their veterinarian when we're talking about companion pets. Obviously, that's going to be a key resource for for our pets, just like our medical professionals and healthcare providers are for ourselves. So uh, making sure that information is coming from reliable sources and also recognizing that good science often changes. So as we get more information, uh, recommendations might shift. And that's not a bad thing. That's good. That means we're learning more. We're, we're getting more data. We're building new hypotheses and testing them. So not just looking to reliable, credible resources, but also resources that have proactively uh, continued to seek new and further their understanding, seek new information. I think those solid resources are great. And also just being aware of your own personal pet. Like you mentioned, we all have our own microbiome and what works for your pet might be slightly different than what works for someone else for a specific need state. That said, there are great standards that we all can rely on for the uh, nutritional completeness of our pet's diet and pet foods in the U.S. specifically have specific standards they have to meet. So... While we can all make decisions based on what we feel is best for our pet, there's a lot of confidence knowing that the products that are on the market have, you know, met a certain regulatory expectation.
0: That's Nicole Hill. She is Executive Director of Strategy at the Business Consultancy and Brand Firm Marketplace. Thanks, Nicole.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: For the All Tech Ag Future podcast, I'm Tom Martin. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.